Hey, let's get into the Word. Um, if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Um, we're in a, a series right now called Pressed and Pulled. If you feel pressed for time and pulled in every direction, what happens is when we get pressed and pulled, life's most important priorities get pushed, pushed out of our lives. We started the series last week, and it's kind of wrapped around Ephesians chapter 5. So I'm confusing you, I know, right now. Go to Luke, because that's where we're going to be today. But I want to put up the, the main passage of Scripture that we're trying to memorize, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. It's the Apostle Paul, the guy who started churches all around the world and wrote a lot of the letters that we have in this thing we call the Bible. He wrote letters to churches, and this is what he said. And this kind of sums up our whole series. So let's say this together. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we're trying to memorize that over the next few weeks, and based off of that, based off of week one, we're asking this question, is this pleasing to God? When life starts to press and pull on you, the best thing you can do before making any decision is to ask the question, is this pleasing to God? Turn to three people right now and tell them, ask them that question, is this pleasing to God? Come on, tell them, is this pleasing to God? Is this pleasing to God? You can answer back, by the way, yes it is, I'm in the house of God, that's a pretty good thing. So I think this one is good, check, done well today. Okay, good start to my Sundays. Okay, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, it's a story about Jesus, and Jesus is visiting some very good friends of his, Mary and Martha and this guy named Lazarus, some people he had visited a lot, all the way down verse 38 of chapter 10. I read out of the New Living Translation, so if you're on a Bible app, if you're on version, look for New Living. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, because he kind of had a pretty important appointment there, that was um, kind of a big deal dying for the sins of the world. But I love this. Jesus is going to die for the sins of the world, but he still has time for every person in the world. That's who Jesus is. How fascinating is that? He came, he died for the entire world, but yet he has time for me. If you ever understand that or can explain that, I would love to know. Because I know I don't have time for every person in the world, and I don't, I don't always pay the best attention to the people I should pay attention to, but somehow Jesus, being God, pulls it off. It's fascinating, but it's why we're here, because he loves you. Like, you're here, and you have a name, and Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows why you're here. He knows everything that's taking place in your life, and he came to offer you life and life abundantly. So let's keep reading. It says this, uh, so he shows up at this village. Jesus' disciples continue on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mar Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha, she was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? So she's kind of like a, throwing a seven-year-old temper tantrum here, you know. My sister won't help me. They won't help. Okay, that's kind of what's happening here. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and you are upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and it will be not be taken away from her. So today I want to talk to you about faith that doesn't fade. 
faith that doesn't fade. Let's pray. God, here we are in this moment, ready to hear from your word. And we ask that you would divinely speak to each one of us as only the Spirit of God can. Whether we've been following you for a long, long time or whether, God, we have no relationship with you whatsoever, I recognize, God, in this moment that your Spirit has a way of connecting with us and speaking to us. So if you would do that, we would love you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, All right, you may be seated. Anybody here so pressed and pulled that you, your life feels like a three-ring circus? I, it's, just, it's just like craziness all around you. I, I love the circus. Um, I recently went to the circus, um, not by myself. That would be weird. <laughs> just like, hey. No, Laura took me. It was great. You know, I'm like, I want cotton candy. I want a corn dog. No, um, no, no. Uh, but I, anybody love the circus? In, show of hands, you love going to the circus. You're my people. I don't care how old I get. I love the circus, but I need, I need an excuse to be able to go to the circus because I don't have little kids anymore. So uh, Laura and I, we just borrow kids. Uh, <laughs> and we borrowed the Surratt kids. Uh, and if you don't know, uh, Daniel and Di, Daniel was leading worship up here this morning. And they have three kids. They're amazing kids, um, eight uh, six and three, and they're just so much fun. And so we took them, we loaded them up, went to the circus, and we got there, and I was super excited. And so I was talking to each one of them. I was like, hey, so what is it you're looking forward to at the circus? And they were each telling me. And then I came to Claire, and Claire is, she's six. She's the middle child. And if you don't know Claire, she is the sweetest, most adorable thing you will ever meet in your life. She's just quiet. She's super petite. She's got a little, everywhere she goes, I feel like she's got little butterfly wings on her. She's like, hi, I'm so cute and special. I mean, she just is. I just love, I'm like, oh, I love you, girl. And so I said, hey, Claire, I said, what, are you, what are you looking forward to at the circus today? And she looks up at me and she said, I want to see somebody fall. She's <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that's so sick. What are you doing to that child? What's happening in your home? That's Daniel and Di right there. Pray for them. Pray for them. It's always the quiet one, isn't it, Mom? Dad? It's always the quiet one you got to worry about. No, so we were at this, this circus, and, and um, it, the circus is great. I, I, I love the circus, um, but it's changed a lot since I was young. Uh, Did anybody remember when clowns used to be cool? The clouds were the fun part of the circus. You remember that, like 17 guys piling out of a car? Da, 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 da. It was just like, wow, clowns. Not now. Clowns are like psychos, thanks to movies and stuff. They're like psychotic killers. So when the clowns came out, all the kids were like clinging to their parents. No, mommy, make him go away. No. <laughs> like weird. And then we, like on the break, and even I kind of fell prey to it, on the break, we were there, and one, there was a clown going, hey, you want to buy a clown nose, little girl? And I was like, back off, buddy. Kids, get in behind me, sicko. <laughs> I just felt, you know, and I, I just, I, I love the circus. And this circus, though, um, it's kind of a low-budget circus, to be honest with you. It wasn't really, they, I, I was, when you go to the circus, you expect, like, lions and tigers and bears on bouncy balls and just, you know, like, rah, and just jumping through fire hoops. And I, Not at this circus. At this circus, the best they had to offer was a dog in a panda suit. That was it. 
Like, and I, maybe I had my expectations too high because I've seen The Greatest Showman. Anybody seen that movie? Amazing movie. So, like, I was expecting, like, I mean, just, I was expecting, like, Hugh Jackman to come, you know, out from behind the curtain. This is The Greatest Show. You know, that's what I was, <laughs> thought was going to happen, you know. So it was like Kramer from Seinfeld came out. Like, hey, 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 hey. I was like, whoa, you're creepier than the clown, dude. But the circus is amazing, and but um, there's so much going on, too. When you, I mean, there's so many things. There's things happening in the center ring and then on side rings, and then there's somebody flying up here, and there's an animal over here, and then there's somebody walking up the stairs, and they're barking at you to buy a you know, $25 glow stick, and, and they're shoving things in your face, and lights, and noise, and blinky things just everywhere. But when you go to the circus, what you, you know is when you're at the circus, what you're supposed to do and what you want to do is keep your focus on the center ring, because that's where they always put the most important act. That's where they always put the most important main attraction and main event. So whatever is distracting you, you, you keep looking back at the center ring, because that's what you really want to focus on. So as, as followers of Jesus, we, we intuitively know, if you are a follower of Jesus, that, that, that God is supposed to be in the center ring. Like he, he is supposed to be the sole desire of our life. Like we, when it comes to passion and, and desire that we have, it's, it's to be for Jesus. Like he's supposed to be the most important thing. But life is like a three ring circus. You get pressed and you get pulled a little bit and, and people are coming at you and things are happening over here, lights and shiny things and this is here and this is over here and somebody's barking at you for your money and all these things going on and the next thing you know, something else has got pressed and pulled into the center of your life and Jesus can get pushed out and just become like a, a side attraction. And if you're a follower of Jesus, like we, we, we know that when you're pressed and you're pulled, the most important priority is our faith. Like it's the most important thing, but, but when we get pressed and when we get pulled, many times the one thing that gets pushed out of our lives is Jesus. Oh, not, not completely out of our lives. He's still in the circus of our life, but he's more of a, a side attraction, and he's not the main event and the main thing. The truth is, there are days, there are even seasons, there might even be years where, as a follower of Jesus, you, you lose that passion, and you, you lose that that, that, that desire that, that, that you once had, and then Jesus is like not really at the center, and he kind of gets pushed off to the side. And it, it's, it's, it's not just people that are new to their faith. I think it happens, and the ones that, those of us who need to be the most aware are those of us who've been following Jesus for a very, very long time. Because we're the ones who are probably most susceptible to seeing Jesus pushed off to the side. So in the story that we see today, this is what happened to Martha. 
So Martha, she started out with this, this passion and this drive, and Jesus was at the center and the, and the focus of everything in her, in her life, but then he got pressed and pulled out of her life. Look, look back with me at Luke chapter 10, and let's start again at verse 38. Let's read this again. As, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha, and say this part with me, will you? welcomed him into her home. Now, it's easy to kind of skip over this part because it's kind of like the introductory part. It's not the main part of, of the story. And this is where those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, we just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get to the main thing, get to the main thing. But sometimes we, in our desire to get to the main thing, we miss sometimes the main thing that Jesus is trying to get said. And I think it's easy to skip this because there's so much symbolism in this one verse. So much symbolism. Look, like, look at this. We'll put it up here. Look at this. Just in this verse, what we see is Jesus, first of all, he came to a certain village. So he's got a certain village. He's looking for this certain village, and he ends up in a certain village, and and there he finds a specific home. It's not by random chance that he ends up at this home. He meant to go to this home, and then suddenly he is invited in. I, I think this is an amazing picture of God's grace. Like, this is who Jesus is. This is what he is all about. This is why he came. He, he left heaven. He came to earth. He came searching for you and for me. Like I said a few moments ago, he knows you by name. Others don't know your name. There's no way every person in this room knows the name of every person here. There's just no way. It's impossible. I don't know everybody's name. I don't know everyone personally, but Jesus knows your name, and he shows up specifically in your life. Like in the book of Revelation, the, the last book of the Bible, Jesus is speaking, and, and, it, and it says this. Here's what, look what Jesus said. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as, as friends. The idea is that Jesus, he he left heaven, he he came to us, and he came here for us, and, and he stands at the door of your life, and he's waiting to be invited in. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're, you're new to this whole church thing. What I want you to see and hear and not miss in this moment is how much God loves you. How much he cares about you, how, how specific he is about you. This wasn't just a, a, a thing for Martha. This is an all of us thing here. Like his desire is for you to know him. So often we have this picture or this image when we're not a follower of Jesus. And let me talk to you if you're not a follower of Jesus. You may have this this image that Jesus didn't come to knock on the door. He came to beat my door down. He came to kick it in like he is after me, like he is going to punish me. He is going to condemn me. He can't wait to drag me to hell for what I've done. I know that. That's not the truth. That's not who Jesus is. In fact, you have Jesus confused with the great deceiver. See, Satan is the great deceiver, the devil. He, he loves to come as a, as a, a sheep, in, uh, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He loves to come as an angel of light into your life. But really, he's the one 
who wants to knock down your door, beat down your door, drag you mercilessly out, condemn you, punish you. And he doesn't want to just drag you into a hell to come. He wants to drag you through hell in this life. That's his plan, but that's not the plan of our God. Listen, in Revelation and in the story of Mary and Martha here, what we see is that Jesus, he wants to come and he wants to share the bread of life with you. Man, he, as, the, as he says in the book of Revelation, he comes, he comes as a friend. Like if you're feeling pressed and you're feeling pulled and you're just feeling lost, can I just encourage you today for just a moment, could we, could we all just, just stop for a moment? Listen. Like he's here. He, he's here today specifically for you and for me. Like, get so pressed and we get so pulled and there's so much noise and so much chaos that I can't hear him anymore. But what if we just stop for a moment and just, just listen for that voice. Listen for that, that, that knock. And what if, like, what if you just opened your life and let Jesus into all the chaos? What would happen if you let him into all the confusion? What, what if you, you let him into all the pain? What if you let him into all the mistakes and the heartache and, and the shame and, and the brokenness? And listen, that, that's going to take some faith. That's going to take a, a risk on your part that, you know, man, I don't know. I'd just rather he just kind of go on right by my door. There's a lot going on in here. I don't really want him to know about it. And, and that's not just those who are not followers of Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's those of us who are followers of Jesus. We're all a little messed up. Amen. Like, there ain't, I mean, you, some of you are like, well, I haven't sinned since, I don't know, 1982. I think that's the last time I sinned. I remember I've just been holy and pure before Jesus. That is a sin because that's a lie. So you just sinned and you broke one of the top 10. So now you're really messed up. But we close the door. I don't let him in. I can't let him in. I want to encourage you today open the door. Let him in. Let him into the chaos. Let him into the pain. Let him wipe it away. Let him bring his hope into your life. You're in a position where I ain't got no hope. Let him in and let him give you hope. He is the one who wants to give you the hope. Like I can't, man, I, you need healing for your soul. Let him in. Let him into your brokenness. Man, so many people are running around. I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed, I'm so busy. I'm so depressed. I'm so angry. I'm so mad. I don't know what's wrong with me. Let Jesus in. Let him in. I don't even know what's happening with my life. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of going winging it. I'm just kind of winging it. I'm just kind of winging it. Let him in. You'll find purpose. Like, let him in. God, you just come in, and you just kind of eat with me. You hang out with me. And I'm, you know, it's not like you're going to figure it out. Like, you let him in, and then I bing. I don't know what that is, but... That ain't going to happen. But you let him in. He starts working with you. Starts talking to you. Starts helping you. He has way, way better advice than Facebook. I'm just going to say way better advice. That's good preaching. All right. So, so Martha, she opens her home. She opens up her heart. 
to Jesus, but then she got distracted. Look at verse 39. It says, her sister Mary, come on, say this with me. She what? Sat at the Lord's feet. By the way, that's what you're doing right now. You're, you're sitting at the Lord's feet. Not me. I'm not the Lord. Thank you for thinking that. But uh, <laughs> is he the Lord? Who's the Lord? I'm confused. Why are we? We're sitting at the Lord's feet, though, right now. We're in the presence of, you're in the presence of God. Right? Collectively, all of us together, man, God inhabits the praises of his people. So he, he's here. He's all around. He's in us. He's around us, man. The power of God is here for you were sitting at the Lord's feet, and she was listening to what he taught, but Martha, she was what? Some of you are like, I'm sorry, what was I supposed to say? I'm like, I was, you were distracted. That's what happened to you. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Now, come on, we got we to gotta cut Martha some slack. I mean, Martha gets a bad rap. We need to get off of Martha's back because she is pressed and she is pulled. Okay, none of y'all have ever had to make G- G- dinner for Jesus. Okay, you think cooking for your mother-in-law is hard? (laughs) Who's coming? Jesus is coming. Oh, my Lord. Yes, that's who's coming. (laughs) Okay, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm not going to Bueno and getting a whole lot of box. That's not going to work. We got to get off her back. We just rip on Martha, and man, she, she, this is a big, it even says in the passage, it's a big dinner. It should say it's a big dinner and a big deal. That's what the scripture really should say. Martha was doing a good thing. She was doing a good thing, but she missed the most important thing. That was Jesus. So that's exactly what, we can get so busy doing good things, Going to work's a good thing. Doing chores, good thing. Keeping up your house, it's a good thing. Raising kids, good thing. Making a dinner for your family is a really, really good thing. Entertaining friends, good thing. Running errands, good thing. Having, having a plan, good thing. Having appointments and obligations, those can be all good things. But all of those things can end up in the center ring and push out the most important thing which is Jesus. And that's what's happening here with Martha. We get so busy, we get so pressed, and we get so pulled that Jesus just gets pushed to the side. And um, that's why during this series we're asking this question, is this pleasing to God? Is this pleasing to God? When you you think about, like, we talked about that that question last week, and but it's this idea that before I make a decision in my life, I should always ask that question. It, is what I'm about to do pleasing to God? Like, let me, get, let me help you out here a little bit. You got up this morning, and you may or may not have thought about coming to church, but you saw that it was raining, and you're like, oh, definitely not going to first service, uh, you know. <laughs> is this pleasing to God? Yeah, probably. Uh, and so, but you're like, should I go to church? And you got in your car, because, and you came, and you drove across town. Why? Because in your heart, you're just like, no, I think that would be pleasing to God. I think that would be a good thing, you know? And I think that's what we have to do. We have to examine the decisions we're about to make, the decisions that we are living in right now, and the decisions that we have made. Are, are they pleasing to God? And so for Mary, what we see with Mary is Jesus was in the center ring. Like, she is, like, at his side. He's, he's her soul focus in this moment she was she wasn't gonna miss this moment for anything 
And here's the thing about Martha. When I think about Martha, I, I wonder if Martha, and, I, and this is an I wonder because hear me, the, the scripture does not tell us this, but I'm thinking about human nature and I'm thinking about the way we operate just as people. And, and I wonder if Martha was in the kitchen because she started to take the relationship for granted. Because she knew Jesus. Like she was really, really close with Jesus. Jesus wasn't a stranger. Very, very close. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Jesus raising her brother from the dead again. I mean, that she was close to him. He'd been in her home before many times. She believed he was the Messiah. She believed he was the, the son of God. And I wonder in that moment if she just didn't go, when she's standing in the kitchen, listen in and hear Jesus teaching and go, oh yeah, I've heard that story before. That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, you know, I, it's, it's an amazing miracle, but, you know, I, I don't need to hear that one. I mean, they, <laughs> they need to hear it. They really need to be in there. But I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I mean, Jesus knows my heart. He knows, he knows my heart. He, he loves me. I mean, Jesus loves me, you know. All these different things that, that Mary must have been thinking in this moment. I'm, I'm wondering, she's like, you know, she's like, you know what, I'll just, I'll just catch up with him later. We're not a whole lot different than Martha. Man, it, what happens to us, it's easy for us like Martha to get distracted, to, to take Jesus for granted. Think of just, like, just take Sundays, for instance. Let's just talk about just Sundays. How many times on a Sunday you're like, oh, my God, I got so much to do, so much going on, and I, I got to get caught up, and Sunday's kind of a catch-up day, and I got some, the week's going to hit me. It's going to be a crazy week, so I'll just go to church next week. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't really need it because I'm okay, but oh man, they need it. Boy, they, they, you know what, I'll just, I'll just catch up with Jesus next week. It can happen to us while, even while we're in church. Like you're sitting here right now. Like Martha was in the same house as Jesus. You're in the same house. You're in the same place. And in this moment, you're like, oh yeah, that's that story about Mary and Martha. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that story a hundred times. Yeah, or you're saying this. You'll say something like this. Oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here because they really need to hear this. <laughs> and God's like, no, I'm, I, want, I want you to hear this. In, in Micah, which is an Old Testament prophet, God says these very, very hard words and asks a very, very difficult question to my soul. He says this, what? What have I done to make you tired of me? Wow. God's asking that question like, what, 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 have I, what have I done that you're so, you're so tired of me? Like, why are you, what did I do that you're, like, bored? I, just, I, I, I pray God never asks, I pray when God asks me that question that, that I, 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 my answer is like, that no, I'm not bored of you. No, no, there's nothing about you that, that bores. May we never grow tired of Jesus. Man, may we, may we never grow tired of realizing my sins have been forgiven by the creator of the universe. May I never grow tired of singing praises to 
him. May I, may I never grow tired of gathering with his people to celebrate his glory and to honor him. May I never, ever grow tired. May that question never be asked of me. Please, God, please, God, may that never be asked of me. I don't want to be that person. I was reading a, a blog this week by a prominent Christian writer and leader in the church today. And I love this guy. I read his blog all the time. I, I listen to his podcast and read several of his books. I really admire him a lot. And he was talking about the future of the church. And he was talking about how, um, you know, people aren't, and he was talking about specifically about people who are followers of Jesus, not people who are far from God. But he was talking about how people who are followers of Jesus, they just don't really want to come to church anymore. They don't really want to come on, on Sundays anymore at all. In fact, in, in the article, he, he, said, um, he said, you know, if, if you think that people should come on a certain day at a certain time in a certain place, that's, ar that's archaic. And it just caused me to pause. And I kind of I backed up a little bit on it. And I love this guy, but I was like, archaic. But isn't, isn't the church the gathering of God's people? Like, isn't that, isn't that who we are? Isn't that what we, we do? Like, if you don't gather, you don't have church because it's, it's the people gathering together. And, and he talked about this idea, like, he talked about how Amazon will deliver anything to your house, you know, and, you, and that's where people are at today, and we all want something to deliver to our home, and, and we, need to, we need to go out and we need to deliver into people's homes and, and not try to get people here. And, and some of it I totally understood, and I was 100% in agreement with when he was talking about people far from God. We should, we should go out into our city. We should go out and rescue people. Like, that's why we have the invite packets. That's why we have the invite cards. That's why we have the 18 hours of prayer. That's why we're praying. That's why you're writing names down, because we are are going to go into our city and we're going to reach people far from Jesus. But I can tell you this, man, at, at Core Church, man, we will always fight to keep Jesus at the center because what Sunday does for us, the reason we come on Sunday is it's our way of pushing back the world. No, man, I'm getting pressed. I'm getting pulled by everyone and everything Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, no way. No, I'm pushing back. I'm going to put Jesus in the center. And what's interesting is when we come together collectively as the body of Christ, Jesus comes right back into the center. That's why we are here. That's why we fight for it. That's why it will never, ever become archaic. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Now, what was he talking about? He was talking about the people coming together collectively. What does that mean? I don't, it's not like, it's, it just means when you come together, there are people right now, four or five people meeting in an apartment, worshiping together. That's the church. Some people are in a small little Baptist church somewhere, 40 people gathered, singing some old hymns with an 80-year-old lady up on the organ, bringing it all she can get. But that is, listen, they're gathering together for worship. Some people's 400, some people's 4,000. Some people today are gathering in places where 40,000 people will gather to worship. It doesn't matter the size. What matters is that we come together to worship. Come together to worship. And, and that's what we see here. Micah 6.8, a couple verses later. You ever wonder what God wants out of you? Listen to this. He says, this is what he requires of you, to do what is right. Just go and just do good. Just do good in this world. Love mercy. 
Be kind, be loving, just be compassionate people. And then this, let's say this together, and to what? Walk humbly with your God. God wants to walk with us. He wants to walk with you. He wants to spend time with you. But Martha, man, Martha, she was just so pressed and pulled by the world that, that she lost sight of it. And she got distracted, but not Mary. <laughs> not Mary, she pushed back. She said, no, I will not be denied this moment that I have with Jesus. I want to invite our worship team to come because they're going to help me as we uh, close this service. As we think about Mary here, and Martha, in verse 41, Jesus talks to Martha. And, and I think he's talking to us in this moment. He says this, my dear Martha, you are what? Say these words with me. You are what? Worried and upset. Like, in other words, she's pressed and she's pulled. You're worried. You're upset over all of these details, all the obligations you have in your life. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your spouse. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your house. You're worried about your finances. You're worried, 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 worried. You're upset, you're upset, you're upset. And he says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. It will not be taken from her. What was that one thing? What was the one thing that, that Mary discovered? The one thing that Mary discovered was worship. She had discovered worship. For you and I today, for some of us, we need to rediscover worship. I only want you to write down one thing today, and this is it. You, you, some of you I know have already been taking a bunch of notes, but I'd like for you to write this down too as well. Worry ceases when worship increases. Worry ceases when worship increases. So this week when I was preparing this message and I got to this particular passage and I was thinking through this particular passage, I was sitting in a coffee shop and, and I had my, my new favorite drink, which is a cold brew, cold foam. You gotta try it. It's a God drink. It's amazing. And, and, and it's so good. And so I get a cold brew, no ice, no, no, no sweetener, just cold brew, and it has this white foam that they put all over the top of it. And so as I was thinking through this passage and I was reading through it and I was thinking about worry and I was thinking about worship, I watched, I watched this coffee and I watched the foam be absorbed by the coffee. Like the foam that did not stand a chance against that coffee. It could fight back all it wanted, but it was going to disappear and be engulfed by the coffee. Never ever did I think for a second that the coffee was going to be uh, absorbed by the foam. It didn't stand a chance. And in that moment, immediately I thought, that's it. That's worship. That's worry. When I bring my worry to Jesus, my worry doesn't stand a chance. Okay? It is absorbed by Christ. It is absorbed by His Spirit. The Spirit of the living God just absorbs all of that worry, all that stress, all that pain, all that struggle, all the things that are pressing and pulling on me, the Spirit of God takes it upon himself. You don't have to carry it. I'm going to take it upon myself. And he absorbs it and he brings forth his peace in that moment. Mary figured it out. She was pressed, she was pulled, but she pushed back and she kept Jesus at the center. Here's what I know. You can't worry and worship at the same time. So why worry? Why not worship? Why not when worry starts to consume you, start to worship? 